This is uh, Adam Jabay, and I'm uh, Austin Cabotless tonight. Uh, so I didn't get to do an intro, so I had it. Yeah, that's terrible. I'm here in a car, going down the highway with uh, David Calzada from K Miata. Hey there. What's up, buddy? What's going on? Um, the uh, the day was interesting today. We've been in Cincinnati. Uh, we left at what? You left at like 4 a.m., right? Yeah, I left at like 4:30. David lives about a, an hour north of me, um, so he had a, he had a really long day, and uh, I had less of a long day. I didn't have to drive. I got to ride in the plush seat of his uh, 2000 what 2001 M3. 2001. Oh, what a great car this is! Um, it uh, it's really really good highway cruiser. I've uh, I've never been in one of these things before. It was nicer than I figured it would be. But it uh, yeah, it's pretty rad. I appreciate you driving, dude. Hey. It's better than you going solo in the truck, right? Yeah, I would have taken the F-350 and, and yeah. like, rattled and snorted my way down here at 65 <laughs> miles an hour. Um, yeah, it was a pretty, uh, pretty good show today. You were exhibiting some Kamiata things. Yeah. And, like, for a smaller show that was paired with a cartering, karting enduro, I was, like, shocked how many people were there hanging out, so. Yeah, it, um, was, uh, it was nice. It look, looked like you had a few good conversations, talked kind of all day. So. Yeah, I mean, half the people that road race seemed to have a Miata, so. Yeah, so, so there's some interest there. It, it seemed like that that group was uh, was pretty pretty solidly yeah. in the road race community. So uh, NASA and SCCA both had booths there, and uh, yeah, pretty pretty fun. I had a good time. Um, Austin and I were Austin's on his way back to Atlanta, um, and we did a bunch of shows all day. Austin was there, um, and I I think the shows turned out pretty good. We had Lee Grimes and Sam Myers from. Uh, Sam Myers, who runs a bunch of NASA uh, Honda Challenge, he's the National Honda Challenge National Director, and uh, had them both on. Had Scott and Renee, Scott and Renee, uh, Scott Giles, Renee Hines, uh, Tom O'Gorman, a uh, bunch of shows. It was fun. So anyway, we are going to do a show all about K series. K series. Yeah, those Honda motors that you are trying to do things with. All right. You sound tired, David. You know, I'm doing all right. I have this coffee. <laughs> I've only taken like two sips, so right. I'm making us. I'm making David drive. I almost called you Austin. I'm making David drive while uh, I do the recording, and he is also drinking coffee. Um, and it's a stick shift car. Luckily, we're on the highway; doesn't have to do. I was going to light up a cigar too. Yeah, you can do that afterwards. I'll drive. <laughs> I really do want to drive this thing. Absolutely. Um, all right, so it's comfy. Yeah, it's kind of, how's How's the, how's the driver's seat? Is it full of farts or is it? There's a few farts. Okay, you had a few of those few. on the way down. <laughs> um, so David uh, has uh, had, used to have an Integra. When I met you, you I still have the Integra. Yeah, it's lang- it's languishing. In, and it's in sorry right shapes and under a, a yeah. tarp with no motor, but I have it. Um, when I met you, you had already put a K20 into that thing. Mm-hmm. But before that, you had a B18. C- yeah, it came. It's a GSR, so it came with a B18 C1. Yeah. And then I put a JDM B18C Type R motor in. Yep. And ran it like that for about three years, and that motor was getting kind of tired. And uh, I had a friend who had a K20 in an EG Civic, and the thing was just so crazy. Yeah. And I just kind of got the bug for for going down that road, and uh, and never looked back. So so yeah, we're we're kind of going to devote this one to your Casers experience and the stuff that you've learned. And uh, obviously, you are uh, you're the owner of K Miata uh, Metric Performance, whatever LLC, mm-hmm. LLC, LLC. And uh, you make K Series parts, but you've also done a ton of testing uh, with headers, intakes, yeah. uh, cams. And uh, so I figure you'd be good to tell people, uh, you know, a lot of our audience knows about them, but they don't know all that much about them. Exactly. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, there's so many K-Series experts that know infinitely more than I do. But I've got a good working knowledge of of the platform. And and, and you've road raced them. You've tracked them. Exactly. You've you've beaten on them. And you're also developing products for them to be suitable for that market. Exactly. um, Anyway, so your first... K series that was just a stock what K20 that was a K20A yeah type R motor which it's not easy to come by That's anymore JDM only kind of stuff yeah yeah that I, I picked up locally from a guy and uh, that was that was a cool motor I I think just revved I mean I think I just revved that thing to like 8900 RPM just like all day every day yeah. on track and it eventually let go like maybe three years later 
Okay. Um, did it? Uh, did you spin a rod or did it explode? I think it just. Uh, I think it was just low oil pressure to the tensioner or something because okay. that that car just kept getting crazier, and it never really. You know, it was, everything kind of just still worked even once I put slicks on it, and you yeah, know, it just kept, kept getting faster, faster and faster. arrow on the car. But then there wasn't a baffled pan in it, yeah. and I was winding the thing out a little further than I should have and, and uh, a lot of years of yeah uh, you were you were at that time you were mainly instructing and then just thrashing it at every other exactly session. exactly so so a lot, a lot of trips uh, showing passengers around and exactly what kind of power did that thing make as a stock k20r motor that made on Mikey's old pro function uh, who's yeah. now Schaumburg um, but when they were in Burr Ridge they had that little fold-up dyno <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> what was that thing a, <laughs> I don't know uh, not Dynapack. It was what are those called? Uh, Dyno Dynamics. I think so. Yeah, Dyno Dynamics Dyno. Like so it made half tall. Yeah, it made like two twenty the wheels on that Dyno, which supposedly was pretty good because I think as soon as they started tuning cars over on this other new Dyno, yeah, dyno you know everything's making ten fifteen more horsepower. Most people would make two thirty ish out of okay. a setup like that. So the car felt good. It felt solid. I wasn't really concerned with what the numbers were, yeah. but. Now, the cams in the uh, Type R motors and the intake manifold are a little bit better than the Type S and stuff, right? They are, um, but the the intake manifold is slightly better, but really nobody uses the, anymore at least, nobody really uses the stock manifolds. Everyone usually goes to like the RBC manifold, which is what's on the... 06 to 11 uh, Civic Si. Okay, and you can, that's pretty cheap. You can just buy this. 200 bucks from Honda, brand new. Okay, and uh, you got to chop a little section off of it to fit it on a uh, Type S head or Type R head or something like that. Okay, but you know then, you know you make five, seven more wheel horsepower out of a 200 dollars manifold, so everybody kind of goes that route. Yeah, you see them used um, all over the place too. Yeah, and then the newer. Uh, the newer Civic Type R manifolds from uh, Japan, the RRC, those things tend to go for like 500 bucks because people are bringing them uh, from overseas, but that's an even better manifold. Okay. So that, Honda's uh, got some pretty good stuff out of the box. They do. And that motor is just so good out of the box. Yep. And, you know, the I mean, the B-Series is a fantastic motor, and they just kind of took everything good about the B-Series and just built on top of that. And uh, that's where the K-Series is. And... I mean, to date, there is not a better NA four-cylinder engine ever. And there probably and, won't be because of the direction that a lot of yeah. cars are going. Well, the EPA is making that harder. Yeah. and Lower compression, small turbo motors. Yeah. Exactly. They're doing that. They're, now all the new K-Series have the... Um, they don't have a true header. They have the exhaust manifold like integrated into the casting for the head. And really? so, yeah, it's it's a joke. So the brand new stuff like is very different. Right, like okay, like the new uh, 2013 and up Civic Si, they put a K24 in, they put the 2.4 liter in, yeah, and then they put this goofy head on it. Okay. So it has more torque, a little better fuel economy, but as soon as you try to tune it, you really can't make much more than 210 wheel horsepower out of it. Okay, um, you're, you're pretty limited. So those have kind of they're not totally overlooked by the aftermarket, but so nobody's far. really swapping them into other chassis because of that reason. There's just no point when the other ones are pretty readily available. Now, the so. first uh, the first really good K20s and stuff, those are what, the oh, O2. Yeah, O2 uh, RSX Type S? Yeah, Type S. Um, Type S and the Type R motors, really similar. Different cams. The, the head, cast, head casting is all the same. Yeah. The Type S motors had like 11 to 1 compression pistons, and the uh, Type R had like 11, 5 to 1. Okay. So a little bit, yeah, a little bit higher. Yeah, it didn't take much to put a Type S motor to be at or better where a Type R motor was. Yeah. Our, our buddy Tall Kyle, he made with an RBC intake manifold that was slightly ported and stuff, and like the Z1, I think, cams, the newer SI cams. Yeah. Um, Z3 cams. Z3 cams. Uh, he made like 230 wheel, just not a stock Type S. So. Yeah. So they're pretty similar, the yeah. Type S Type R motors. Yeah, the cams, the 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 Civic SI cams, and the ones that came in the 0506 RSX Type S's, those are basically the same yeah. as the Type R cams. So whereas like in B-Series land, everything Type R was just like better. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. The K-Series Type R pretty much just a different combination of a few parts. Okay. Pistons and cams, basically. Um, Oil you, pump's the same. 
that uh, that first uh, trans that you got that was that a Type R trans also? Type R trans. That's that, the really close gear ratio. Yeah, correct? that trans is the best. Now, now the is that a four seven final drive from the factory? It was, and it came with a diff, right? It came with yeah, it came with an LSD. That's like a Quave style torsion and, diff. Or something. Yeah, and the first three gears uh, are the same as like a Type S trans, and then the Type S trans four, five, and six are longer, and the Type R trans are all closer, a little okay. better suited for road racing. Yep. And uh, that's just kind of the the trans to have, in yeah. my opinion, at least. That was the trans that uh, Kyle had in his CRX that I drove. So that's kind of the only front-wheel drive K-Series I've ever driven. And it was remarkable how close uh, good. four, five, six were. Like, yeah. ridiculous. It was really cool. I mean, I would cruise at the same highway speeds in sixth as I would in fifth with a Type R trans. Yeah. So you have that same, you know, top gear, just one extra gear snuck in there. Yeah. So Very, very close ratio box. Um, as far as mounts and stuff, how did you do your first uh, front-wheel drive swap? Uh, Hasport mounts, which has really become the industry standard. There's a couple other options out there, but I found no reason to go elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and Brian's a listener to the podcast, so yeah. hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. Yeah. Thanks for the mounts. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> we didn't know each other then. Yeah. Um, and back... The, one of the one of the things that was difficult at first when people started doing K-series swaps was um, the uh, the computer and the wiring stuff. But um, when you when you did your first swap, that stuff had kind of been sorted out by the aftermarket. It was a little bit more readily available. Yeah. What uh, what did you do for wiring in your Integra? Um, conversion harness. Uh, don't even remember what brand. Maybe Hybrid Racing. Okay. Um, pretty much a plug-and-play harness. And they had really, they've really, you know, there's really a plug-and-play harness for every main Honda chassis. So you could just buy one for a 94 to 01 Integra, and it's, you know, pretty much plug it in, and uh, and you're good. So it, it, uh, I remember some of the earlier swap uh, guidelines in Honda tuning and stuff, and it was like, wow, that's intimidating. Yeah, like, people were making their own harnesses, and it was a, it was only like the best of the best who knew how to actually do things. Uh, we're getting into these swaps, and then little by little, the aftermarket realized that uh, there's some potential here. And now everything is K-swap. Yeah, even Miatas. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to give you too many plugs. We already plugged the crap out what? of KMiata.com. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, your, uh, your your first uh, K20R, did you just run that on a factory computer, or how did that work? No, that was on K-Pro, okay. on data. The factory, the earlier ECUs, uh, one of the first hurdles was that the ECU had an immobilizer in it. Correct. Um, the JDM ECUs did not. Okay. I had a J- that, JDM I ECU. Yeah. I sold it for like 300 bucks. So with that, you could just plug that into a swapped car. You could, yeah. in theory. But really, by the time you you know, it's still do probably, all the bolt-ons, the thing would have just been weak probably and probably not running too. very safely because all the bolt-ons are making it flow better. So you've got, you're probably leaning out. Yeah. Air, air fuel ratio pretty significantly, yeah. and, and with with Honda, can you turn off some of the sensors and stuff too? You can turn and you can do whatever you want. Okay. Yeah, so you can run it, run a more minimalistic harness and uh, bare minimal sensors. Yeah, there's a lot of little stuff you can delete or you don't need. Um, but it's pretty. I mean, yeah, like secondary O2 sensor, and you get rid of the immobilizer, and you get rid of the idle air control valve, and just disable that if you aren't running one. Really, you, know. you can just d- disable it. Yeah. You oh, you just, know what? I don't think Kyle had one on his car. That yeah, you can just. Yeah, he didn't because he had that uh, Mustang throttle body, I think. So yeah, he he, uh, he ran a Mustang Edelbrock throttle body. You can just turn it off. Yeah, well, that's kind of nice. Um, what kind of other ECU options exist now in the? OEM ECU style tuning department with uh, with uh, K series stuff. There, for a long time, Honda was the yeah. Only they were game the only game in town for quite a while. And very few people were using standalones because yeah. of the variable valve timing and exactly. cam timing and uh, yeah. When you have the when you really have the when you can run the car on an OEM ECU with a daughter board soldered in there and yeah. a USB port added, it's really nice. Everything else works like stock. Now, for those listening, the uh, Type S that's got VTEC, correct? And, correct. And both cams. And it, that's also got cam phasers? It has continuously variable valve timing on the intake cam gear. So okay. on, on the intake cam. So basically, you have 50 degrees range of motion on the intake cam, 25 degrees advanced, 25 degrees retard. Yeah. And you can tune it 
to any position at any time at any point in the power band. And that's really why, one of the big reasons why the K-Series just ended up being head and shoulders above. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, even just like compared to an S2000 engine, you know, those engines are very good right out of the box, but as far as tuning, there's not a lot more power you can squeeze out of them. But like a a TSX engine, you put in that 50-degree gear, which is $150 from Honda, and you can pull 20, 25 wheel torque out of the mid-range. Unbelievable. Like, I mean, it's crazy. So with the TSX motor, that's the K24A what? A2? That is a K24A2. A2? Yeah. Um, the different uh, cam phaser just bolts right on. Yeah, it just swaps right out. Yeah, <laughs> it's easy. It's uh, They look identical. They just have different letters on them. Yeah, and and the TSX one is a lot less uh, variable. Yeah, it's only 25 degrees total, so 12 and a half degrees either direction. So you get a lot more... Really, it's that mid-range that needs the cam advance. Yeah, and it it, uh, yeah, it just adds one more uh, with with a lot of the header articles that I'm uh, or the header article I'm, I wrote and I'm researching for my next one. Um, a lot of the stuff that I mean headers, they're like the the next thing to test is tons and tons of camshafts, and people are changing the overlap between intake and exhaust and. With the K-Series, you can just do that on the dyno. Just oh, yeah. roll it around as much as you want see where it makes power. So so Mikey, ProFunction Mikey, has been the best at helping me do lots of testing. And yeah. he's generally into it and he enjoys it, but he's just also one of the best K-Series tuners in the country. And so I've kind of gotten to pick his brain a little bit as far as kind of what works and what doesn't work. And, yeah. you know, I certainly... I know 5% of what he does. He just, like, is a wizard. He just sits in there, and he looks like this tiny little guy in my fixed seat. (laughs) You can, like, barely barely see him. He's our little ninja. uh, But he'll just sit there, and he will put the motor at 0 degrees and do a pull. And then he'll do 10 degrees and 20 degrees and 25 degrees and 30. And he'll do all these different profiles, and then he will basically layer up all the graphs and say... Okay, well, it makes more power from four to five thousand RPM if we're at thirty-five degrees, and then if we go to, and he will just he'll put together the whole map, just build it just based on that. Oh, so and, brilliant! Yeah, I mean it's great. So he just looks and he just overlays, and it's just like, okay, well, we got three more horsepower here if we're at thirty-five instead of thirty, and you know whatever, and just stacks it up, and yeah, and that's, that's that. Profile. That's that, and that's why oh, the K series the power bands look so flat. Yeah, is you have that plus VTEC, and he tunes the VTEC point, you know, the same sort of way where tune it on the low cam yeah and then tune it on the high cam and see really where they want to intersect and then you start you know moving the playing with btc yeah. yeah i mean i don't know i'm not doing it justice but he's just like this little well i think you explained it pretty well yeah that's kind of how he does it he just right. does it uh, more uh, uh ninja style exactly um, and he's done enough time so he takes a lot of the guesswork he doesn't need to do a ton of pulls no yeah he's he, like okay he, i know what these this combo this is going to be where it's going to want what it's going to want to see tuned darn near a thousand k series or more. i wouldn't be surprised um the <laughs> i was over there tuning uh me and my buddy we had, we had obd zero ecu crx's and we we're doing two obd zero cars and mikey just he let us use the dyno and <laughs> he's just looking down in the, in the computer my brother's doing the tuning on the computer and just shaking his head like, oh, why would you even play with this? <laughs> what a snob he is. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get him to tune my OBD Zero car one of these days. Yeah, um, he has a crazy little motor that he's kind of, I don't know if he ever totally finished putting it together, but he's got like a Stroker K24 bottom end and a crazy uh, ported head from Four Piston oh, and I all that. He's doing one. Well, he kind of just kind of ended up with a bunch of this stuff in his hands, and I think he realized, hey, if I put this all together, I can make, like, 340-wheel horsepower. Yeah, what are, what's the naturally aspirated record now? It's, like, in the 450 to 475 it's, range? It's, if, yeah, it's right around, like, in the 460-wheel oh, horsepower. Out of what, like, they, they stroke them and bore Yeah, it's like, like what, a 2.7. Two, yeah. That's about the most you can get out of it. Oh, that's but that's so just big. crazy. That's I mean, a lot of horsepower. It's really, I mean, you compare it to an engine like this S54 in the M3. You have yeah. two extra cylinders, and it's a great engine. Nobody is making over 400 wheel horsepower out of this engine. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just insane. You're yeah. talking a four-cylinder. And the, the, the head ports and stuff on the K-Series uh, are really good out of the Yeah, box. it's gotten really, all the CNC porting. There's a couple companies that just do some really, really nice the, work. Yeah, the aftermarket's gone nuts with it. 
But yeah. even stock, like you can make good power. Oh yeah. Like there's people running really good. You can make two seventies to the wheels with stock ports. Stock ports wow. and stock bore and stroke. Put like twelve and a half to one compression. Yeah. Some good cams. And you're in the two seventies. Um, easy. You put a TSX motor in your uh, in your Integra after you blew up the K20. I correct? did, yeah, 06 TSX motor. Did you put it in just with the cam phaser and call it good? Or I moved, I had some uh, R crew cams which okay. don't exist anymore. Those I had those in my K20. I basically just took everything out of my K20 that was still good, like the cams. Yeah. And uh, just moved it over to the K24. And so you went from like 230 wheel horse to two to 43 on pump gas. Okay. And with much more 190 torque. wheel torque. I mean, it just was. That's such a good. Which doesn't sound good, like you know some to, to a lot to some V8 guys, but in a 2000, what your your Integra was like 2200 pounds. 20, yeah, under 2300. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that moves out pretty well. Yeah, it is not. It was not a slow car. I mean, it was. It would make people angry. Like it was almost, It was basically as fast around Gingerman as your K20 Miata or K24 Miata. Yeah, except uh, that car was on slicks yeah, and yeah. a lot. I mean, the Miata has more potential for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of now, just even at the tail end of last year, just starting to kind of get into that a little bit more. Yeah, you were on giant slicks with the Integra, yeah. and it was lighter. Yeah. And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, the, uh, so the TSX motor, uh, that first TSX motor, the TSX motor you had in your red car, your Integra, was that the first one that you put into the Camiata? Um, that was not. I, we had a, I bought a... Uh, I'm getting all these things yeah, there's been a lot of, a lot of motors, a lot of different testing and and whatnot. But I had picked up just a real cheap, 04 TSX engine. They made some changes in 06 that really made them better. Yeah. Um, and I had an 04 engine, and Mikey and I were tuning it just kind of to get it sorted. And I was going to take it to the track, just do a little more testing, and um, put some cams in it, move the same set of cams over, and I had heard this I guess and I, I guess I just I failed to actually remember it that uh, at, at the time but the pistons in the 04 motors have just little less valve reliefs <laughs> and you can't advance the timing as far in the 04 motor as you can in an 06 motor oh. so we blew it up on the dyno <laughs> yeah that's a problem like it was fine it was a strong motor I ran the motor for a year with the stock cams and then we said hey let's try to make a little more power out of it let's move this over let's put the 50 degree gear in it and then we tried to just set it up exactly like the motor in the Integra and uh, at like 30 or 35 degrees yeah. it blew and we were pushing the Integra to 40 degrees and it was fine so lesson learned and uh, did you take that whole motor apart or no? I think I still have most of it the head was junk I've, I've used some random stuff. I think I used a crank out of it. I don't know. It kind of floats around. It needs to be bored or yeah. something if you're going to really use it. But I have, I've kind of accumulated a fair amount of spare engines and Miata transmissions and K-Series transmissions. Yeah. Just kind of, I mean, look, I don't have to tell you how that happens. Yeah, I know. That you have far more of that crap than I do. Not K-Series. No. D-Series. It's just a bunch of non-VTEC little, little guys. Um, not... How far did you push your Integra, your front-wheel drive setup? That was 247, you said? <clears throat> Two, yeah, we made, it was 243 on pump gas. We, we tuned it on E85 just for kicks. And now, was made, that on a Dynojet or a Dynojet? That was on the Dynojet, the, uh... Okay, the, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, Pro Function now has, yep. uh, like, top-of-the-line four-wheel drive Dynojet. Right. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, I think we made four more horsepower on E85. It's only a ten-and-a-half-to-one compression motor, so it didn't totally get real lively, but... Yeah. Uh, it uh, it it's moved uh, out. It yeah. was great. It was fun. Yeah. I'll bring the car back eventually. But right now, it's just... Uh, if I'm going to be wheeling a car around, it's probably going to be a car that's simultaneously also promoting my company. So yeah. I just the car's kind of sitting until, until I have a little more time. When was the last time you drove the Integra? Mm, two years ago, probably. That was A year and a half ago. Was the, that wasn't that... It wasn't when you came up with the K-Miata idea, was it? No. After that... There, gosh, I don't even remember. Yeah, it's been a while. The last time I probably saw it on track that I can think of was the day that you came up with the Camiata idea on the way home from ITR Expo. Yes, but you probably had it on track since then. Yeah, I did. Yeah, but it's come back. Yeah, yeah. That you uh, just need to put a cage in it for me. 
Yeah, one of these days we'll turn it into an H2 or H1 car, I think. Yeah. Um, a lot of guys go back and forth, actually, with... So I've heard, at least. Um, because you can just put a kind of a turd K-series yeah. motor in. Yeah, but H2 would be like a K20A3, like... Right. Base which, model, RSX motor. Or a EP3 Civic. Yeah, um, oh, the, the early... The, the hatchback, the O2. Now, O2 phys- physically, that's identical to the Type S motor, right? Um, outside, yeah. The outside basically. dimensions and everything. Yeah. Um, but it only has VTEC on what? One cam? Intake cam? It doesn't... <laughs> Yeah, and it's more like economy. It's more it's more for fuel economy. It doesn't really switch over to a true okay. bigger lobe. So um, you can uh, like Kyle had done a setup. I think where he locked. Yeah, he, he locked put in some Type S cams and yeah. he locked it on those on the on the bigger profile. Yeah, we actually and, we talked to Kyle on the podcast and we listened to the idol of that thing. So that might have oh already gosh. that might have aired uh, the the, uh, <laughs> the audio of that. It's yeah, so, it sounded so like can, a pro stock. So car. you can do that. Yeah, that was an awesome sounding car. Yeah, that thing's crazy. Uh, until the until the uh, uncared for bottom end let go. Yeah, all stock uh, and exploded just because it had probably never had the oil changed. <laughs> um, that's what happens when you buy two hundred dollar bottom ends, you know. That'll do it. Um, and what there's another difference with that A3 motor. It's got an unbalanced or less balanced crank, I think. Probably um, a lot of the. I think the it, cheaper K series engines, like the Accord engines and CRV engines. They have supposedly less, uh, not as balanced of a crank, yeah. but they're lighter. Yeah, they don't have they don't have as many counterweights on it. I think. Right, and it seems to be though the the big K series engine builders. Yeah, they just don't care. They just use all the. They'll okay. just use any Accord crank. So I guess it doesn't really. Well, make it's still that big. a forged Honda crank. Yeah, it's not. You're not going to break the crank. And it's not like they're out of balance and, and vibrating in, in accords going down the highway. Exactly. So. It's <laughs> they're really, probably fine. The stuff is, is pretty I think some of it out. is probably kind of folklore from uh, the first guy that wrote that article, you know, in mm-hmm. 2005, saying it's a less balanced crank, and now everybody yeah, says that. Yeah, now everyone that. thinks that that's, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah I, I, I drove uh, Kyle CRX when it had that motor. It seemed pretty balanced to me. <laughs> I wasn't. Yeah, it's fine. It wasn't anything you could really notice, but... Um, yeah, for for a Honda Challenge H2 car, I think that would be kind of a fun build doing a CRV motor or a K20A3. Yeah, a CRV motor would be great. You gotta have a little more weight, I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. That'd be a great little. I cheap think race those car. are both options in H2. They don't yeah. make that much power, but like you know, still good solid. Oh, but with a good tune and a good good mid range. Yeah, you get the better transmission. Yeah, with, I mean, you can run a. It's uh, still a little SUV engine. I mean, in a light little car. Yeah. So. And the K series transmission, your your OEM gear ratios are right. closer than a B or a D. Yeah. So. Uh, you're going to be running more weight, but that could be a fun uh, option for your uh, entire I know, I know. Yeah, I need days. to do that. I've owned that car since 2003. Yeah, you buy that when you were when you just got out of college? I was, uh, no, I was a senior in high school. <laughs> you're that much younger than me? Man. I'm 30. Yeah, what are you, like 60? I'm only 33. <laughs> something. I'm, am I 33 or something like that? That sounds right. I'm going to be 33. I think. In, in, in that range. Yeah, somewhere in that range. I'll give um, it to you. So you actually bought that, you drove that through college and stuff? Yeah. Was that, that was, your daily driver? That was my daily for a long time. That uh, it was. That's, that's what started it all. Uh, what, uh, <laughs> what kind of pushed you towards putting a K-Series motor in that thing? Um, Charlie from Top Setup. Yeah. Way yeah. back when. Kind of uh, the first K-Series guy in Chicago, and he now lives in California. Yeah. He took me for a ride in this car, just like outside his shop some like 40 mile an hour speed zone and i don't know we were going 100 like real fast yeah. and it was just really wild was it, it his eg it was an eg with like a built k20 so it was built to rev and he was revving the thing like 9500 rpm was that the one that uh, was in the yeah the japanese video series what <laughs> yes, was that i forget but uh, yes american toge yeah, yeah 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 um, yep, that was like his it, claim to fame. Yeah, it was kind of a like that was back when people bought videos. Yep, and it's kind of famous. There's footage online. I think mm-hmm. it was uh, Kaiche Suchia that drove his car yeah. and said it was like the best car ever for, yeah. the, for uh, a road course. I did. Uh, I went to the track for the first time with him. Uh, oh, with Charlie. He was the one who said, "Hey, can bring your tiger out to the track this one." Okay. So Charlie is responsible for you. He basically is. Yeah. He's, everybody's you know, everybody's got a you know everybody's got somebody they got they they drug to the track or you know they got a story about who drugged yeah. them there. I always wanted to take the car to a track. I just didn't like 
I just didn't know, like, where, where do you go? What yeah, do you do? I don't like where, where's the racetrack around here? I don't know. And, you know, 10 years later, here I am. So, yep. Um, the, uh, so Charlie kind of pushed you towards the, the K series. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the forums and stuff that you, you know, that, that uh, K series guys frequent nowadays? I mean, it's really K20A.org and okay. Honda Tech. Honda Tech is really, still a thing? Yeah. There's still some good info on there? I haven't, the been on ra- there. I haven't been on there forever. The Road Race Autocross section of that is just... Yeah, and same, same with the same with K28.org. It's Probably, you know, it's a lot focus on it's a lot on engines. Yeah, it's not like the Honda platform is just not. That's one thing I realized once I got into Miatas. I'm like, wow, everyone's yeah. just like, hi, here's this is here's how you should set up your suspension and here's alignment specs. So you just go Google it <laughs> and you find all this information. In in Hondas, it's just like, it's like, well, the, the dar- th- it's like, what do I what do I do? There's a lot of. I think there's a lot more serious uh, autocross and track competitors and drivers in the Miata world, and everybody's sure. everybody's really kind of on the same setup. But when you compare Hondas, everybody's got similar stuff, and the coilovers all might bolt on. But a CRX oh, yeah. ain't an EF hatchback, ain't an EG, exactly. And, e, and, it, and a DC is weighs a lot more. But right. in Miata, they're all a lot. They're more all similar. the suspension is. Yeah. You put it to this so degree similar. Camera, you, you put just, it to this toe. And you set it up and you go. And and that was that was kind of my thing when I all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I have a Miata now. I don't know that much about these cars. Yeah. And I and I remember calling Emilio from Nine Four Nine Racing and be like, okay, just tell me what to order off the website and how to align it. And I'm like, <laughs> you've won enough championships. I don't need the. What am I going to sit here and mess around with this? Just yeah. tell me what to buy. How much is it? Okay, we sounds good. To, we don't need we just need this, this car to go fast and tell me what I need for that. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the the Miata community is pretty uh, welcoming. Uh, yeah. Members. Huh? Yeah. Totally. Um, hey. It's, it does, uh, it seems like they, they kind of like the K-Series stuff. Like, it's it's still pretty popular uh, mm-hmm. you know, on the boards and stuff when I've searched it. But Yeah, um, it's, it's generally pretty well embraced by the community. I mean, the nice thing is... It's pretty unique. Miata yeah. guys are pretty down-to-earth, and they know the motor is really nothing to write home about, the, uh, the stock Miata engines. So, you know, they're always talking about, you know, this swap and that swap, and... Uh, yeah. So as soon as you say, hey, here's a K-Series motor that's lighter than your motor and makes double the horsepower in stock form, people are like, oh, I like this. Yeah, I don't have so, to turbo it and manage it. Yeah, heat. exactly. Um, how, now, with the uh, with the performance mods you've done on your K24 stuff in the, mm-hmm. in the Miata, or in the, yeah, in your Miata swaps. Um, yes. What have you kind of came to the conclusion with intake manifold-wise and with header-wise? Like, what kind of stuff have you learned since you've been hmm. doing more testing with that? Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a ton of work. I don't think anybody can ever appreciate. It. I think we've had six different headers on the dyno. Like yep. that's for like a small company, a small startup company. That's just a ton of testing, and um, it's kind of finding that right combo yeah. of what can be manufactured at a reasonable cost that people will, you know, people like and make the power they want without, you know, being a two thousand dollar header. Yeah. Um, kind of same with intake manifolds i mean really the main issue we ran into with intake manifolds is that since it's a front wheel drive engine flipped into a rear wheel drive car yeah faces are on the throttle bodies on all the k-series manifolds point straight into the firewall and so not the end of the world well there's just no room yeah (laughs) there's just no room i mean mean, but like for an aftermarket solution it's right exactly The, the only issue is you know if you're gonna make your own cast manifold you're talking you know, a ton of money in tooling initially, and, yep. and something we'll probably do eventually. But you know, we really looked at like, okay, what are the off-the-shelf options that can be configured for a rear-wheel drive car to flip the plenum around the other way? Yeah. And so that was really, you know, oh, that was where all our testing came from. Is like a need to fit a manifold in the car. We couldn't just take the RBC that everybody was using and just slap it in there. So it kind of gave us this cool opportunity to play with different plenum sizes and runners and you know really see what the motor really liked and what yeah. it didn't like so much now you guys you and mikey did uh, a lot of testing uh one day how many manifolds did you t- intake manifolds did you guys test that day we did four manifolds back to back and it was like nine degrees out it was yeah. such a cold day well it's probably a good day for intake manifold testing you're not it was not fine but heat soak it was fine but um, oh my gosh, it was so cold. Your fingers must not have enjoyed that. I was wearing like long underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like dress for it. So I'm like, we were there for like 12 hours. I mean, it was yeah. just crazy. What, I mean, uh, he tuned every setup and what, I, what I swapped them all. 
We did an S2000 manifold, F20 manifold. Yeah, you, you, you originally had a, uh, an adapter plate for that, right? Yeah, and we still sell those. That we found, though, before we did all this testing, is that we were getting 215, 220 wheel horsepower out of that manifold, and then even when we like, put cams in the motor, it yeah. couldn't get past that hump. And so we learned that this is a good budget option for people. I mean, gee, you're still running around with double the wheel horsepower that yeah. the Miata came with, so it and doesn't it, suck. It looks pretty stock. It looks like it's supposed exactly. to be there. And I think when you drove the car, that's what it had on it. Yeah, the ports lined up. They line up really well. Yeah, they? it's actually the ports are all spaced The correctly. bore spacing on the F20C is the same as the mm-hmm. K20 and K24. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was kind of our benchmark. We had had the car on the dyno a couple times with that, and we just knew that it was really kind of choked it, it was that it was the the uh, restrictive point yep. so then we came up with three other options to test and one of them was an rbc manifold with a with the plenum chopped off yeah and another plenum welded on that was flipped around the other way we worked with uh, excessive on yeah. that kind of a big plenum too big plenum kyle actually has that now yeah yeah he's gonna um, put it in a 240z <laughs> 260z i think so he's got that for his little crazy project. But um, the idea there is that, for those of you who don't know, a longer, you know, really what the general consensus is, is a longer runner is going to really give you good mid-range without really sacrificing top end until you're really 9,000 plus RPM. Yeah. So we're revving this motor to 8,200. So the longer the plenum we can get, the better. Now, unfortunately, these manifolds that can fit on a car like what we've got all tend to be shorter okay and uh so that was the idea behind this rbc manifold we said hey let's get the nice long oem runners in there and then let's put this plenum on there okay and so that manifold picked up boy probably eight wheel horsepower over the f20 manifold and a ton in the mid-range i think it made the most mid-range out of anything like with no um, other changes to the motor yeah just uh, same just, headers, just same everything yep same everything else That's pretty good and uh and then after that we tested the skunk 2 ultra race manifold Okay. And that is just like a, mo- a manifold that can support 350 wheel horsepower. Guys port those. They have real short, stubby runners and like a good, it's got to be, a th- I think it's a three and a half liter plenum. Just big. I mean, it accepts a 90 millimeter throttle body. Oh, wow. It's just a big, crazy manifold, really more for drag racing. Yeah. And we knew that it would do well up top. It did exactly what we thought. Mid-range was weak, but after about 6,500 RPM, then it just rocked out. And we made, we went up from about two. 217 wheel horsepower to like 230. Is that the Skunk 2 manifold that is it's like a bolt-on plenum? It is, yeah. And, so, you can, so you can flip it because you can it's a symmetrical it. bolt pattern. Huh? You can unbolt it and the nice thing yeah. about that uh, that the the 90 mil throttle bodies, I think it's the Mustang throttle bodies, that the the bolt pattern is a perfect square. So you can just flip the throttle body over. Oh, nice. And it's and it's done. So that works out pretty well just by happenstance to work with the Miata exactly. swap. Huh? So that was why we thought, okay, well, Mikey had a friend who had one, and we said, hey, let's test it. Let's see what it does. Okay. And then the last manifold, which ended up being our overall winner, which eventually went into production, and now a number of our customers are using, was one from Golden Eagle. Yeah. And that's a manifold that really is on turbo cars quite a bit, and it's a it's super basic design yeah basic it's kind of a it's a aluminum box, box. Yeah, it's, a, it's a mailbox five and a half inch runners yeah and good probably three and a half four liter plenum i mean yeah. it's big just a fabricated aluminum box exactly though. yeah and i had thought ah this is gonna do okay i don't really know yeah I, it's not gonna suck but yeah how did it do it, it did better everywhere. everywhere. It did better everywhere than the Skunk 2 manifold. Mid-range was good. It just overall good, good power. So I think we blocked out of there with 17 wheel horsepower off oh. of swapping a manifold. Over the S2000? Over the S2000 manifold. Oh, my god! And that's why I immediately put a bunch of them into production. The only issue is that sometimes they're all hand-built, and so sometimes yeah. we wait you know, three weeks for them. Is that the same basic manifold that they sell for K-Series guys front-wheel drive? They just switch the plenum? They, they flip the plenum, and then there's some little things that I've had them change to make it specific to the Miata swap. Okay. So, like, the little throttle cable bracket on the side is the right spacing, so a Miata cable fits right in. And it's oh, got cool. a, it's got a yeah. port for a K-Series map sensor, yeah. um, which makes the wiring a little easier, and it, we deleted some extra stuff we didn't need. And yeah. just kind of, they have kind of a K-Miata spec version of the manifold okay. so um so that's we've been doing that 17 for quite a while. wheel over a manifold wow that's really good <laughs> yeah it was i drove out of there with a nice little grin on my that's face that's like fake that's like fake magazine ad numbers i know i it is, it is exactly what i felt if like, i hadn't seen the dyno graphs like 
Mikey's big, like, no one's gonna believe this. There's a big thread on where where is it at? Uh, on Hunt Attack and a couple other places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it was all documented, like dinographs and everything up there, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, kind of. It's kind of shocking, almost, how much you can make on a, on a healthy motor. That had cams in it at the time, or no? Uh, that did. It had those little R crew cams, which okay. are in real base. I mean, you can run them on stock valve springs. Yeah. Um, but we had them. So, so what did you end up making overall with that? Do you remember? I think we made like two thirty-two. Okay. What that kind of just, header was on it at the time? That was on our like long tube four to one race okay. header that we've been selling for a while. Okay. Um, big long runners that do do pretty well in the mid range. Tested a lot of headers. We can talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Now the the original header design basically we had the collector way up high. You're talking about the one that you had initially. No, no. I'm talking about like uh, your original collector design. On. Gotcha. The the first one that we did, we just kind of slapped together, cobbled something together to see if we could make the car run. Yeah. Because it was still kind of unproven. <laughs> it's like, is this gonna work? We chopped apart a eBay China manifold, mm. and it was a f- was that a four to two to one we chopped apart? Yeah, and made it into a four to one. Yeah, and it was like six inch long runner. It's really really awkward. It was design. rough. Um, but then but it worked. Yeah, some of the we original still made two hundred wheel horsepower on it. It's true. <laughs> Probably pretty good for an NAMI. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, so, uh, but some of your original designs that you were selling were kind of a ram horn style, with the collector poked way up high. Yeah. And then and the runners were bigger and longer and they the collector was you know right by the oil filter mm-hmm. yeah um and the main reason for that uh was because you had restricted space down underneath yeah the, motor, so. the real the real issue is that in the miata you know the intake and exhaust side of the motor gets switched and there's really no room to run the exhaust piping down the other side down of the, the passenger side of the exactly motor, you have to run car. it down the driver's side so we had to somehow get the exhaust gases from the passenger side over to the driver's side without killing ground clearance. Yeah. And, oh, and do that with three-inch exhaust, yep. which is not really compact. Not so, super easy. So uh, we came up with a good solution that works and makes good power um, and has good ground clearance. Yeah. And so that was this. If you go to the website, you can see what it looks like. Um, and then just until really last year, you know, that had her, you know, retails for... Twelve hundred forty-nine dollars. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a nice, it's stuff. a real nice header, and uh, it makes good power. But we knew that not everybody wants a twelve hundred fifty-dollar header and a Miata. So we started working on some other options, and yeah, that will kind of do what we needed to do, even if there's minor compromises here and there to bring the cost, you know, closer yeah. to half of that. And you also started researching, and you and I have talked about just headers in general. Yeah, a lot. we've had a lot of those um, chats. You know, different collectors, like real merge collectors and bullet uh, stamped steel collectors. Right. Put the bullet in the middle, you know, and uh, see what that does. Yeah. There was a lot of. Um, yeah. What What have you came up with as far as, uh, you know, just uh, header headers versus, you know, what you originally had? What have you found has worked well uh, or worked the best? We've had headers that the current header has a it's a it's a formed collector it's not a true welded yeah. merge collector a stamp collector. it has a um it has a bullet and like a spike in the inside so it really simulates that yeah and it's about a third of the price as okay. far as materials and, and, and that's a four to and, one uh, yeah and honestly we made more power out of another header we tested with a 300 dollars uh spd collector so you know it's not <laughs> i mean you know you can you can spend tons and tons of money on material, but at the end of the day, there's places where you can save, and there's places you can't. Yeah. And that was one that that did well, and it worked well. And then, uh, you know, so we played around with, you know, a couple different headers, different runner lengths, different different primary diameters. Yeah. Tried, um, you yeah, know, well, kind of a big tube what, design. What's, uh, as far as uh, big tube versus your small tube design, what are your primary sizes actually? Uh, the small tube, which is really the one we only sold a couple of the big tubes just for a couple of customers that wanted to go real crazy. They're just fitting them and just building them is just such a challenge. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the small tubes are one and three quarter inch primary. Okay. That steps up to a one and seven eighths secondary, um, and then a four to one collector with a two and a half inch uh, exit, and then that immediately has like a good four inch or so transition okay. to a so that's, um, you said primary and secondary you mean like uh you mean primary and sec primary and second half of your primary right it's a four exactly to, four to one yep exactly okay. so it's it's it steps up and just one tube yeah. you know small tube 
just kind of just barely fits inside the larger one. Yeah, weld step. That up. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of an anti-reversion style that a lot of people have been using. Mm -hmm. so by, by stepping up into a bigger tube diameter, um, you kind of create um, in a, in a this is kind of you know, header technology, but like you actually create what's called anti-reversion. Mm -hmm. And the exhaust gases, once the valve slams shut, the exhaust gases don't stop as much. And they, the main thing you want to do with a header is get the exhaust further away from the port. Exactly. Um, you want to yeah. you want to direct the gases out as fast as possible, yeah. and what it comes down to, and you don't is want them to stall as much, uh, and then potentially pollute the, uh, you know, the combustion chamber and right. blah blah. blah. Well, um, at the end of the day, what you're running into is the smaller diameter, the faster the gas is going to move, but the less gas it can flow. Yeah. So happy medium is you want that happy medium, and that's why you know because otherwise. Why aren't the why aren't all the primaries four inches? Yeah. You know, I mean, if that would be fastest, okay, done. Yeah. Um, so really, getting what, that right diameter. So what, is really what was your big tube? Uh, the design? How big? Were those big, two inches? It was, a, it was a, a an eighth inch. bigger. So it was a one and seven eighths. Yeah. And then stepped up to two inches. Kind of a tough packaging constraint, though. Yeah. Well, in the the thing is the collector is longer. Yep. And it's just a lot more packaging wise, very very tough so yeah and more material cost yeah and when this when the the smaller diameters can still support 300 wheel horsepower it's like we have very few customers that are going to actually need this so yeah. we ended up just deciding less is more and let's just offer the one okay. and no one's seen I, to mind. it blows my mind how how many hours and days you put into just header testing to try and come up with a good oh, solution it's just but, so and, and a lot of people don't know this i'm not a fabricator <laughs> i own a welder I own a MIG welder. Yeah. I can I can cut tubing. I can test fit tubing. I can put theories into a design. Yeah. And then I can send that design to somebody who's a good fabricator, and they yeah. can make it very that, nice. That's for actually all been harder customers. for you to find than you thought. Like good fabricator. Yeah. Uh, a lot of smaller shops, it's not their forte, and and you've even you've used buddies of ours and stuff, and it's it's just a difficult job so and, and it's there's a difficult job there's and nobody that really in this country that is like into i'm gonna build headers all day yeah um so that was a difficult thing for you but yeah that as, was as far as uh headers in general for front wheel drive k-series guys uh there's there's a lot of designs there's on the a lot of good options um, um i would imagine primary sizes you kind of you're kind of in the same range but what's yeah. what's some of the more you know successful designs out there the real popular one for a long time was the R Crew header. Okay. And that was a uh, four to two to one, correct? Four to two to one. Yeah. And I have that's what I had on my Integra, and those retailed for seven hundred bucks. Um, and then lots of knockoff versions came off that were less. I think last I looked, you could find a knockoff for like two hundred fifty dollars on eBay. <laughs> and uh, I don't know identical. how China makes those things so cheap. I do not understand it. But I mean, they produced a ton of them. Yeah, for, yeah. You know, that's an but old still. design. Someone's still making money on it. But, but those I think the, uh, the four to two to one was a um, like a one and seven eighths primary. Yeah. To a two or two and an eighth secondary somewhere in there after okay. the first two collectors. Yeah. And then to like a two and a half inch uh, final collector. Okay. And you know that's a lot of thing too. I found a lot of. Um, kind of misinformation about that a lot of people would be like oh i'm running three inch exhaust so i need a three inch collector and i'd see all these threads on the forums and oh why i don't want i don't want a two and a half inch collector and and what people are failing to realize is you just lose all your mid-range if you do that yeah and you yeah. need it's like a nozzle you need it to you exactly. know it's like a hose you know the, yep, it you know, slows the, the exhaust stream down that, you, and that's why megaphones are kind of a thing yeah and uh there's even there's even power to be found if we're talking about full exhaust systems like having a like an anti-reversion step on the tip like there's power to be found there so yeah it's it's like a weird science yep I've, I've talked to in researching the article that I'm still working on which is it's like it, it it's hard to actually make it small enough like the and not sound like it's rambling about headers and exhaust. Mm -hmm. I've talked to uh, John from High Tech and Calvin Elston who's a NASCAR header designer and um, and they they both even said, well, if you don't have an anti-reversion on your tip, even on the outlet, like you're leaving power on the table. And anti-reversion yeah. just meaning like a, a bigger tube slipped over your smaller tube. Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 a weird exhaust. Uh, NA exhaust technology has came a yeah. long way in the last ten years. The intake stuff just makes a lot more common sense, I think. Yeah, yeah. But the exhaust stuff, I'm like, okay. I yeah. mean, a lot of that, you know, 
K-Series is always better with three-inch exhaust. That yeah. has been proven time and time again. There's a lot of just kind of known things that everyone kind of like has accepted. Do you think it'd be better, you think it'd be even better with uh, potentially a small merge collector at the end and then ballooning out to like three and a half even? It's possible. Yeah, it might. It, it'd probably depend on the motor. I mean, if you were making a ton of power, yeah. There, there's some theory out there, if we're just going to start rambling about exhaust, there's some theory out there that you know, having uh, stepped primaries uh, or even high-tech style anti-reversion chambers in the primaries and then true merge collectors and a choke point on the final merge, uh, the two-to-one the two, two to merge, and then a megaphone, that you can do whatever you want with exhaust because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, because you have so much anti-reversion built into the header hmm. um, that the bigger the, the bigger the exhaust, the happier you're going to be. But uh, I'm actually going to test that. I'm going to put a three-inch exhaust on my 1.5 liter. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh. <laughs> but a couple people and John at High Tech, being one of them, said, "I don't think you're going to lose any power. I think it might work." So that's interesting. I don't know. We'll see. I am uh, intrigued to see. It's going to sound. It'll sound cool. Yeah, a bit weird, maybe. Sound like a K series. I don't think it's going to sound like a K series. <laughs> no, not at all. But. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it kind of. I, I, the reason that I kind of started to get into designing my own header, and I'm kind of halfway through collecting parts and building. I've even, I even made my own bends for my for my header. Yeah, um, I don't do that. The reason that I can bend them on my on my mandrel too. Yeah, my I, roll cage I just buy them. Um, the well, the reason that I kind of even got into it was because I helped you with the initial fabrication before you had Kamiata. You were still mm-hmm. building one and. And then we started talking, and you were researching how to have a custom header made because nobody made a header for you. Um, and it kind of piqued my interest, and I started just reading for a year about, oh, so fascinating. about header technology. And, and it's kind of like there's still a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot um, of misinformation, and, there's, and you'd just be surprised. So many people have just had success with something, and then they say that's what it is, you know? Well, here's what it comes down to. There's a lot of people who can fabricate and can make a header that looks like a header, and they know how to weld, and that's their header. And they test it, and it makes some power, and that's good. And that's how most headers are. And in some regard, so are our headers, mainly for space constraints. And so that's really the issue, is that there are lots of headers, K-series headers. All the primaries, like the people who really know, say they're all too long. But you don't have a choice. They just have to be kind of too long. Yeah. And I have, you know, another design that we just uh, did some testing on that did real well, um, which was a four to two to one header. Um, the primaries are a little too short, but it's because we don't have enough room. And, you yeah. know, it did well. So there's really that, that compromise you always have to make. You can't just make one, f- like, completely flat, straight header that just points off into, yeah, you're into space. Well, if you did that, you'd have top fuel zoomy headers. Exactly. You know? Um, so it's, you know, there's always these compromises that have to be made, you know. Ideally, it's good to have no bends. Yep. Ideally, it's good to have, like, the nice, real long collectors, and yep. you can't always fit that. So it's really about, you know, hey, given the space I have to work with and yeah, given the best how much money I want to put into this or, more importantly, how much I want a customer to have to spend on this, what can I come up with that does the best of all of that? Yeah. And so that's the other, like, thing when you – get away from theory and you get into like practicality of like hey this is actually, actually has to be a header that people can run in a race car you know okay well now what are we going to really build for them and that's why we yeah. continue to play with different designs and try to see you know hey what's that best balance of cost and power and all that for customers i think a lot of the the problem with uh you know there's a lot of misinformation out there like uh, with headers as far as even primary sizes and stuff because mm-hmm. everything just kind of works fine like yeah everything makes headers, power i mean k-series let the thing breathe halfway and it's still going to make yeah good power and, and if you're looking at v8 stuff for the past 50 years oh, like gosh, the, yeah the, the testing wasn't there and people just kind of found out like what worked fine and that's just what they used um and testing is expensive and custom headers are really expensive yeah, and that's why i've done um, a lot of the initial prototypes on my own. Yeah, you, and people weren't building them how I wanted them to build them. I'd say, hey, let's do this. And yeah, eh, that's not quite what I was thinking. I really think we got to do this. And at the end of the day, nobody cared more than me. Not to say they didn't care, but, yeah. you know, as the owner, it's like, okay, this is my baby. I want this to be the best product I can. So yeah, the, that's uh, really where I started doing it all myself. The actual, the wheel horsepower differences are kind of, they're not that huge even between a decent header and like the perfect optimal header. You're yeah. talking like, 
five horsepower. Yeah, on a wild race motor yeah. or like a fully tuned version of A and B, you know, same motor, same everything else except for the header, you're only talking a few horsepower. Yeah. Um, and to the average person, they're not going to go to the extent to test with their 350 crate motor. They're not going to test all the different headers. Exactly. And there might not be even a good header available. So. Yeah. Um, there, did you see the inter- the Hot Rod magazine uh, or the editor of Hot Rod? Uh, I think it's whatever their whatever their YouTube channel thing is. They did a header test with like a 400 horsepower small block, hmm. um, and they just bought some you know off the shelf hooker headers with you know some crappy stamp collector, and they probably weren't all that optimized. They're probably too big of a you know too big of a tube and everything. And they started smashing them, hmm. um, and they didn't lose any power anywhere. <laughs> but to me, that kind of screams that well, that's not really the best header for that engine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They might have just been too big of a header. Yeah, uh, like they lost a few horsepower, and then they actually made some horsepower when they started smashing some different parts. But uh, because a lot That's of hot, a lot of hot rodders have to smash, you know, the header tubes to get fit around steering right, racks right. or steering linkages or. Um, but yeah, it. Uh, I think with a with a really high revving motor too, it you know that depends on airflow as much as like. You know, a typical Honda motor or a smaller road race motor, you know, spec Miata motor or whatever. There is, mm-hmm. there's, and five horsepower is appreciable on a road oh, horse. Oh, absolutely. Know? And that's kind of why. And mid range is more of a thing than it is right. in drag race scenario. So. so, this header, which you saw on the table um, at the show, we were just at the at, show yeah. which will be on the website this week, uh, fingers crossed. And uh, this is a header that is a, it's $595, and it comes with a whole mid pipe. That basically routes everything over to the other side of the engine bay, and nice package, fits great. We've tested them back to back, and we lost three to five wheel horsepower in different spots. Okay. So, but, but overall, but the header fine. is less than half the price. Yeah. And for and and it still has great ground clearance. I mean that they will be in stock. We should have some uh, about a month, and it's a header that you can buy for under six hundred dollars and. It'll do what you want it to do, and you want a 220, 200, you know, 25, 230 wheel horsepower. There you go. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're, if that's plenty for you, and you'd rather allocate the extra hundreds of dollars towards your suspension or towards your brakes or whatever, yeah. great. So that's why we want to have other options like that. And all we really did with that design is we use the same primary and secondary diameters, same collector, and we just lowered the collector down, made the uh, primary is shorter okay. just for spacing yeah. and then instead of having the two and a half inch collector immediately transition out to three inches um, we put a um, we put like a almost a 90 degree bend in there okay. and kind of had that tra- transition under the car and so those were the, the really the two compromises which does make less power I mean we figured it would yeah. but pr- cost is so much lower to produce yeah. and so and, and yeah with any kind of uh, you know with headers and with a lot of things you got to kind of find that happy medium you know not everybody can spend thirty five hundred dollars on a custom you know yeah. this or that but yeah yeah you've uh, you've learned a few things about uh, intake manifolds and headers and I, I kind of find it all fascinating so yeah, yeah that's why I wanted to do a little bit of a show with uh, what you have learned just about the K series in general so. yeah uh, last thing I want to talk about were was uh, oiling. With the mm-hmm. K-Series. You said your first motor kind of probably starved of oil. Um, yeah. You had a lot of high grip, and you didn't. And K-Series don't come with baffles from the factory. No baffles. There's aluminum and there's uh, steel K-Series pans. Yep. And they kind of are interchangeable, correct? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can baffle a steel pan. People make, what, drop-in aluminum baffles? Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them out there. Okay. Um, some good options. The aluminum pans are a lot tougher to find used because only a couple motors came with them yeah Uh, but yeah you can get a nice that's what i eventually ended up putting in my integra and the motor didn't blow up (laughs) how how did the baffles work out that was kind of just a drop-in thing yeah the one i had um basically bolted up kind of under the uh kind of the windage tray okay and so you would install it and then just slide the pan over it okay so it didn't even actually attach to the pan so for a front wheel drive setup baffles are kind of a big deal yeah, yes. Unless you put what six, seven quarts of oil in the car. 
Yeah, I was typically running, I think, about five and a half. And you're to probably six losing some anyway. horsepower with windage losses there, too. Probably. Because you're splashing so much oil around by the Yeah, crack, but right? at the end of the day, if the oil pressure gauge stays pegged where it needs to be, yeah. I'd rather lose a couple horsepower. <laughs> well, obviously, it didn't work all that well for you eventually. Well, on the, yeah, on the K20, it did not. Yeah. K24 was fine for um, a long time. And there's another, there's a couple other uh, oiling issues. Some people are suspecting that sometimes timing tensioners can break. Yeah, well, what will happen is the tensioner is oil um, pressure fed. It's oil pressure fed, and there's a spring, and that kind of helps at low, when it's low oil pressure, you know, at idle and things like that. Really, once you have a little RPM in there, that's when the oil pressure takes over. And so if you lose oil pressure, your your tensioner slacks up, and uh, thus your chain slacks up, and then you have piston-to-valve contact, and then there's your motor. And if you've got big camps too that probably and big springs that gets exacerbated exactly so the uh so that was really kind of what we determined to be the yeah you had an issue with with one of your cars like that yeah um and other people have had very similar issues so yeah so it's really about making sure that you are keeping good oil to the pickup and you have um you know the the rest of the supporting mods to handle you know, high lift cams. We had to install some much stiffer valve springs in this current motor that's in the car because we actually cracked like five SuperTech springs. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> they were. T- I took the. I took the. Started taking things apart. And I'm like, oh, look at these. They're just cracked. That's not very cool. No. So uh, there's. Uh, you know, that can happen. Has. Uh I've actually changed and helped change a couple of stretched timing chains. Have you seen any issues with some of the newer timing chains with that, or is that just I, like an older 04 thing? I changed I changed a timing chain on um, the K24 that we had in the Miata maybe a year ago, um, just kind of as best practice. Yeah. And the first thing I noticed is that the new one from Honda like looked just more burly. Like yeah, The way yeah. it was built just looked more solid. Yep. And then when you kind of line them up and took a close look at them the one in the car was probably three or four millimeters longer yeah believe it or not so i mean there were no issues with it but i just felt like okay well it's probably just as well i just replaced this while we're in there kind of stuff yeah exactly yeah. i mean the tensioner i would always do anytime putting in a fresh motor because it's a 60 70 dollar part yeah. um chain doesn't really necessarily need it depending on how the car was used okay but this, and probably how it was maintained as far yeah. as oil changes exactly what type of oil yeah. Um, what kind of uh, timing tensioner stuff do people use? Is it pretty much just OEM is the accepted thing? Or? OEM is. There are a couple companies that make an aftermarket tensioner. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of hearsay about it. But I think, you know, from talking to the people I really trust, yeah. um, the OEM one is fine. Okay. And if you have very aggressive cams, the only one that's really worth the money is one from Inline Pro. And it's 180 bucks. Okay. It's, I mean, and it's built from an OEM tensioner. Okay. Is that still oil actuated? Or? It is, but they they basically reassemble it, and the gear and all the mechanism inside is just like way way stronger. Okay. And I end up throwing one in this car just to do it, just because I don't want to have you know when you. It's one thing if it's just a hobby, but if you're showing up at these events and you need to show off the car and take people for rides. Uh, fail tensioner it becomes a problem. So yeah, yeah. if I can spend 180 bucks and have a little extra security, I'll yeah. take it. Makes some sense. So yeah, so that would be what I would recommend. I mean, I've had it in the car not super long, but it works, and that seems to be the only one I have not heard of any failures from. Okay. So um, does anybody do a locked tensioner on those things or no? Not to my knowledge. Okay. Because I mean, because like uh, the timing belts, you just kind of pull it tight, and that's yeah. where it is. Yeah. Know? Um, yeah, I'm just wondering if you're even if you're even able to do that, but uh, yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. That's uh, I haven't read too much about that. But. Hmm. I wonder what all the high horsepower drag guys with the 450 horsepower do. We'll probably hear about it after this podcast. Here, podcast <laughs> yeah, here, right. But the uh, I don't know. Inline Pro tensioner would probably be a good bet. Yeah. Um, any other uh, failure points that you've uh, that you'd recommend for people getting into tracking? What uh, Say you had an RSX or something or a car that just yeah. had a swapped motor, what would you do uh, to your car to get it ready for the racetrack? Um, honestly, the oiling's the main thing. I would say if you're going to do lots and lots of events, I mean, an oil cooler is a good move. Yeah. Just, I mean, the car will run fine without it. You're just going to wear things out faster. So yeah. I ended up putting an oil cooler in this car. And you're going to make oil really hot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, you know, your you know, oil's getting close to 300 degrees. It's just, that's not good for anything in so there. So, it's good synthetic oil. And, uh, yeah. But you and just a put decent, a decent radiator. $130 oil cooler and some, some lines, and temps will drop 40 Don't put crappy lines on your oil coolers. Yeah. Just don't do it. <laughs> I've seen too many of those at the racetrack. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sidelining all crappy oil cooler lines at Grid Life events this year. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Hey, Dave. absolutely. We had uh, had a little bit of an intro to K Series love there. So. That's right. That's right. Thanks for having um, me. The uh, the website is what kmiata.com. Kmiata.com. Yeah, and all your social media thingers. So. Yeah, and if anybody has you know just any you know I answer a lot of just generic K Series questions, especially from the Miata guys who aren't real familiar. But um, I help uh, the listeners out anyway. Uh, you can shoot me an email uh, anytime. Cool. Happy, to, happy to help out. Contact info's up on the site. Yeah, there. sales at kmiata.com. Oh, man. So. Just trying to sling your wares, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you uh, uh, in a few minutes letting me drive your M3. That might, hey, that's probably going to be fun. Hey, or Or maybe I'll crash it. We'll see. Hey, you know, it's all Drink, right. Jinx ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a good time uh, today, and uh, thanks for providing some knowledge. Just, we're into this one for a little over an hour, so not a not a bad show actually that's right if you guys are still listening to us uh we'll probably have a ross bentley driving tip if austin sends me one they're on his computer (laughs) (laughs) if not well do give it next time hi everybody thanks for coming on and uh thanks for listening yep see you guys